Well, if you don't know who I am yet, let me just say my name is Andy. I'm one of the, uh, the elders here, part of the leadership team at uh, Christ First Watford. And uh, we're in a series called Fight. Uh, it's a short series. We're just doing sort of pre-summer as we get into the... We're going for a very different summer series, which hopefully you're going to really enjoy. Um, but for now, we're doing this series called Fight. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I have to say, it's quite an interesting series because we're constantly talking about different topics. And today, um, it's going to be on prayer. So I'm going to be speaking on prayer. I, I love to pray. Um, it's something I enjoy doing a lot. Perhaps I've, I've had to think a lot about how I pray, actually, in the lead-up to this week. So I'm going to cover that quite a bit. Um, and I actually chose this topic because of my passion for prayer, but also my desire to challenge sometimes my own prayer life. So not, I'm not boasting in any way, but I do pray quite a lot. Um, something I've cultivated over years. When I first became a Christian, I prayed loads. Then I went through seasons of hardly praying at all. And I'm kind of back into a season of really praying to God. But even me thinking about, I'm not sure about how I'm praying once again. I want to just check in on that. And so this is going to, I'm going to cover as much of it as I can about our prayer life, but I won't even scratch the surface. It's just such a huge topic. You won't agree with everything, perhaps I say. I'm not trying to tell you how to pray. I'm just trying to offer up something to think about and to consider and to ironically pray about. Um, tonight, once again, I want to remind you we're together this evening, but I actually want to think about what does God have to say to us right now, this morning, in Watford, you individually and personally, and I'm praying by your spirit, he will challenge every single one of us in our prayer life. By the time I've finished, me included, we will be challenged in our prayer life, and we will look forward to the opportunity to pray again, because we'll have something to think about and lay into that prayer. So, in the fight series, you may be wondering... Well, you know, I wasn't going to repeat Dan's thing of last week with the Rocky music, if you were here. And, and Dan Abraham, if he punched Dan Townley, he'd be through that curtain. Uh, it was like, bop, ooh. He's just like, yeah, we knew. We knew he was holding back. But we, he set up the kind of fight between two things. And I'm going to set up the fight between prayer and what's on the other side is almost like a bit of a tag team called self. And that sort of self-reliance, self-orientation, self-centeredness, self-ishness. But, but pride is very much in that core. It's all about self over here. And at the other side of the fight, we've got prayer. So that's what we're setting them up against each other. And I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Uh, I always do. Um, never seem to prep the same way every time. But I'm going to move away from the fight for a bit. Talk about prayer and then come back to the fight. I want to talk and lay out some stuff about prayer. So let's just step back. Um, and I'm going to kick off with this question. What, who's your favorite superhero? Think about it. Now, as, so as a child, hopefully this is going to work, I would go between, so as a child, my favourite was probably somewhere between Spider-Man and Superman. Like now I'm kind of Batman. Don't know why, but I've moved, you know, we all mature. I kind of ended up with Batman, I don't know why, but I prefer Batman. But as a child I liked Spider-Man and I liked Superman. Now, Spider-Man's pretty cool, he's got some powers, but he's quite vulnerable. Batman is just a dude with a lot of money who does martial arts. Okay? He's got no real superpower that I'm aware of. Geeks are going to beat me up after this, I'm sure. And then on the right-hand side, you've got the one that I really used to think was the, the true super superhero, was Superman. Because Superman is not from this planet, and he has like really exceptional powers. So, 
you know, Spider-Man's a, bo- a boy with some powers, but, but Superman's someone from another world with completely different powers, so he can fly, uh, bullets can't kill him, he's got laser eyes, which must be really handy for opening difficult things, and he's immeasurably strong. So if you remember, he's the man of steel, he's immeasurably strong. So, keeping that in mind, what's wrong with this advert that I saw when I was looking online? It's not one of Ben Fleming's, if you're wondering if you know he, does, he runs a gym. But there was this, what's, think about it, what's wrong with that? Work out like Superman. Superman doesn't work out. So don't work out like Superman, because Superman does nothing. If you want to work out like Superman, I can model that for you right now. I'll do absolutely nothing. And that will be because Superman doesn't get his strength from working out. So he doesn't work out, and according to my minor research in the geek world, which I've done my best to understand, and like I say, I'm not always, it doesn't seem like he, he doesn't, he, it's a superpower given to him along with everything else. His strength is given to him from outside, and um, he never needs to work at it in any way. Frustratingly, apparently, again, by reading some of this stuff, he doesn't have to eat either. So he eats to be sociable, but he doesn't actually need to eat. So you're thinking, my, you've got it really made. You look like that, and you haven't got the problem of eating burgers in the first place. So you really have been set up for success. And here am I, you know. So you've got this physical ability. So no need to work out. No need to worry about eating burgers. Why do I bring this up? Not because we had a barbecue yesterday and I've got another one today. That's not my point. But um, there's a few reasons. And I'm going to read to you some scripture about that. And we're going to look at that together, and I'm going to lay a foundation for why I think we have to think about it. Um, They're quite long reads, I'm going to read a a whole page, so I'd like you just to to take whatever it needs for you to just listen to Scripture. I think it's good that we listen to Scripture when it's being read out, it's not just a a line-up for some things I'm going to say. And then I'm going to try and figure out what I think God has been saying to us today. So here are, here's the first Scripture, it's a short one, but it's this one we might know quite well. Matthew 28:18 And Jesus came and said to them all authority and the King James version of several others use the word authority or or power or authority and power all authority of power in heaven and on earth has been given to me so keep that in mind Jesus said all authority all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me and then let's look at Luke together these are a little bit longer let me just read you two stories So while he was in one of the cities, this is Jesus, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left the man. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the preacher and make an offering for your cleanses as Moses commanded for proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and the crowds gathered to hear him, that he healed their infirmities and he withdrew. And then it says at the end, but he withdrew to desolate places and prayed. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Then we look at John eleven thirty-eight to 44. Whoops, did it go past? Thank you. Then... Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take the stone, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour, 
for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Right. So, what's the story here? What's this about? What am I trying to bring out? What's the, what's the link I'm trying to make with my Superman story? Well, I'm going to try and break it down a bit. And then I'll get us back to the fight. So we're going to break it down, then we're going to go back to the fight and this discussion about self-orientation and pride. So Jesus says, All authority or power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. So Jesus has all or power, all the power and authority in heaven and on earth. He's got more powers than any superhero. He's got the powers on heaven. So Superman cannot raise the dead. He cannot change time apart from the dreadful first film of Superman. When he, when he, did you ever see the first one, the Christopher Reeve one? Like he decides because Lois Lane dies in an earthquake crushing incident, which is ridiculous in the whole thing, but he, he flies back and he, he managed to get the earth to spin backwards and therefore go back in time and get her out. I mean, we do realise that that will not work. Yeah, What will happen is as the Earth slows down is the seas will fly up in the sky and gravity will be destroyed and he's basically destroyed the whole world. Not such a superhero. But he can't, she can't do things. He can only do what he can do with these limited powers by comparison to Jesus who can just touch and cast out sickness. He can speak. doesn't even touch Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. You'll hear later if you read in the scriptures of some of the disciples... Get up, dead person. Get up, sick person. They're just, the power is incredible. Jesus Christ, he calms storms. He turns water into wine. A great gift. He stops people bleeding. He heals the paralyzed. He casts out demons. He makes deaf people hear. He makes the mute speak. He walks on water. He makes the lame walk. He feeds 4,000, feeds 5,000. He feeds people from virtually nothing. So with that much power at his disposal, in his hands, in his voice, in his ability to command things, he's got that much power. Why is he praying? Because in scripture, why does he need to pray? What's he asking for? He has all authority, all power at his fingertips. But Jesus Christ himself goes and prays. What's he doing? Is he trying to increase his strength? But he's got it all. And he's demonstrated it so many times. Scripture just full of stories of Jesus just doing incredible things. And later the disciples, he, he just does them. He doesn't have to, Superman gets his power from the sun, apparently. Is that correct? Yes, thank you. So if he can't see the sun, he loses his power. Jesus is not going to God saying, okay, I kind of want to have a whole new set of power. He's got all power in heaven and earth. And he keeps demonstrating over and over again how much he has. He's God with us, Emmanuel, and he's praying to his father. He's got all power and authority. So do we think he's praying for certain specific things to go and do an individual act? Or has he got all this stuff at his disposal? At the end of the passage in Luke 4, it says, he withdrew to the desert places and prayed. And then look at these other ones as well. 
Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when the evening came, he was there alone. Hebrews 5, 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent, reverent submission. Or Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent night and day praying to God. So my first point is this. My first point about Jesus, because I want to focus on him initially, is him and prayer. The point that Jesus Christ prayed. He wanted to pray. appears that he actually needed to pray, petition, and a natural curiosity then is, well, well, how did he pray then? If Jesus Christ needs to pray, how is he praying? And that's a big question, and we're going to look at Scripture again to see where and what Jesus did pray and how he prayed it. So where, what, how did he pray? I want to know how Jesus prays. A lot of people have told me how to pray, and frankly, I've got some bad advice over the years. I'll share a little story, perhaps. No, No, I'll do it at the end. But I've been given some direction, and I'm not saying it was like heinous and it caused me, but it actually wasn't particularly useful in terms of how I ended up praying and I've only recently reflected on how much difficulty I had in my prayer life, thinking that probably was picking up some bad habits. So let me just revert back, go back, and let's look at the one that I know I can trust, and the one that you can trust. Jesus Christ in your Bible, look at how he prays. And let's look at that as a model of prayer, because he's fully man, so he's praying in a way that we should be able to pray. So he withdrew. We get, so we don't get tons of insight into Jesus' prayer life, but we do get to see it sometimes. And actually, when he does the prayer for Lazarus, um, he's, he's saying this. That's him praying. He says he, he looked up. So that's prayer, yeah? So Jesus Christ says, I'm about to do something, Father. He's praying. Now, it's probably truncated down to whatever got noted down in writing, but I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, lined up with some of the things brought this morning. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. There's something to note. Jesus always starts his praying with, Father, Father, save me. Father, the time has come. Father, Father, Father. And then here in John, you get, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then, against his, he then prays God's will against it. So he says, I know you've heard me. And what you're seeing here is Jesus kind of reflecting God's will, what he believes God has asked him to do. That they, that they may believe that you have sent me. That's the purpose of what he's asking to have me say. It's what you want, God, that I'm trying to do here. What you So help me because I'm trying to do the thing that you want. You want them to know that you've sent me. You want them to believe. So help me do this. It's a short prayer, but I just want to see the tone, the nature of it. The prayer starts in a dialogue, Father, not Almighty Creator of the universe, Father, but Father. And then Jesus seems to regularly reflect on what is being done. He makes a request aligned with what God's will is. What he says, what's your will? He tries to reflect God's will. That's what he tries to do. Jesus' prayers are always, when you look at them, they're aligning themselves to what God wants primarily that thing. 
What does God require of me? What does God require to happen? And let me pray that. So here's my situation. It's a job, it's a car, it's a house, it's a difficulty. And there's God's will, and I'm trying to put those two things together and pray God's will in my work, in my life, in my job, in my family, in my house, in my transportation. I'm trying to work those two things together. Jesus does that a lot. He's very good at that, and it doesn't take long for him to do it. So he knows God's will, and I propose that he knows it because in large part he converses with God and he listens a lot. That's what Jesus must be doing. He's going to talk to the Father and commune with him, communicate with him, and that means speaking and listening because he says he withdraws to quiet places. He withdraws away and he finds somewhere where he can speak and communicate with his Father. So we hear him occasionally pray in public, but a lot of the time he's praying when you don't know what he's doing or where he is. Think about it. Just think about it, because I need to do this too. Think about it. Why do we need quiet? We practiced it a lot this morning. It's interesting that we kept stopping. And I bet we're all a bit like, someone say something, do something. It's a bit too quiet. But there's lots of times of quiet. But just think about you personally. Why do you need quiet? Literally. To hear. To be able to hear. That's why you need quiet. That's why I need quiet. And trust me, in my life, quiet is anything but what I have. I have noise everywhere. People everywhere. Our house is never empty. I'm busy with loads and loads of things, but quiet is something that's not a feature of my life. But Jesus Christ seems to demand that he finds some quiet. Do you and I pray to be heard or to hear? That's a challenge for me. Do I pray to be heard or do I pray to hear? So do we withdraw? Matthew tells us straight up, he's asked, and it's reflected in Matthew 6, 6 when Jesus is asked. He says, find a quiet, secluded place where you won't be tempted to role play, this is the message version, to play things out before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God's. And you'll begin to sense his grace. So when we hear Jesus pray, we hear a man who knows his father's will. He says in script, you hear him say, not my will, but yours. He says that in one of the darkest and most difficult times of his life. He's often wrestling to align what he's seeking with what God's will is. Even when he knows about his impending death, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knows that when we pray, we're not twisting God's arm. We can't twist God's arm. We can't make him do something God does not want to do. We're trying to align with his will and his promises. So I believe, having really looked at this recently, Jesus Christ that demonstrates it, that prayer is much more about God seeking to find out where we stand in his will and how we're praying and how our prayers align with his will rather than just completely divorced of God's will, here's the things that I think I require. And it's not that God's indecisive, but he's asking us into his will, his plans for salvation, ultimately the fact that he heals everyone, whether it be on earth or in heaven, if we're saved. So it doesn't mean we pray faithless prayers, and the end of it all go, if God wills it. Someone wrote recently in a book, don't do that to me. Here's what I think God needs for you if God wills it. You kind of just like flatten it right out. It kind of feels like you're just giving a, and I'll be honest, it's like a get-out clause. 
So if it doesn't happen, well, God didn't will it. And then rather than thinking, what is God's will for your life? And then praying that prayer of God's will into your life. God wants you to be well. That's God's heart. It's his desire. Let's pray around that. So that's why we often use scripture in prayer, because we're trying to use God's word to reveal his will. Father, here's a prayer that I thought about when I was trying to write this. Father, you sent your one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And your word says that you do not want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's in scripture. Well, Father, my friend, my mum, my auntie, my work colleague, they don't know you. And I'm desperate they come to know Jesus. And on I go praying. I'm aligning it up. Well, it's an easy one to pick salvation, but I'm lining it up with God's will. So here's point two. Jesus prays prayers that center on God's will. If Jesus prayed for a new car, he would pray for it based on God's will. He would pray, Father, you called me to reach the lost across this nation. Can I have a car? Jesus would not pray about a new job without aligning it to God's will. He wouldn't pray about a new house. He wouldn't pray about a car. He would certainly pray for miracles for the spirit to pull upon him to glorify God but he would align his prayers what he's praying for with God's will not separate from and we'll come back to that one more time at the end on the second half of my message but for now just remember these two things about Jesus I said I want to look at him first Jesus needed to pray and he prayed in communication with God by aligning himself to God's will that's the model of Christ's prayer so let's go back to the fight You're right. So here's when we go back with all that ringing in our ears. That's how Jesus Christ prays, and it's not how Andy Smith prays. Let's just be really clear, so no one's falling. I I often get into habits of praying nothing like that. I start straight in with the thing I require, straight in there. In the, and I think it's good to pray quickly with God sometimes in the middle of things. That's fine, but generally, as a pattern, my prayer life is pretty much Father God, can you, can you, and it's immediate request. Within seconds, I'm in request mode. So let's look, talk about the fight that's going on there with all that ringing in our ears. Jesus needed to pray. It's clearly intentional that he does it. He withdraws to do it. He finds time to set aside and sets himself away from things to do it. So why don't we always pray with so much intentionality and alignment? Here's my hypothesis. Sounds like we're in university, but here's my hypothesis. One reason is because we're self-orientated and we're self-reliant. And before you say, hang on a second, no, I'm not... Ironically, that immediately means you're focusing on yourself. But anyway, but the point is that you say, no, I'm not hanging a second. Don't feel too bad. Because we're all a reflection of our culture. And our culture, the culture that I've grown up in in this country, certainly in the, in the years that I've been here, has been one that really overemphasizes and celebrates competence and capability. Makes a big deal about it. We celebrate, we promote. Everyone desires, it seems, competence and competent people to work with them. They're capable. They like the completer finishers in life. The competency and the capable people, they're the strong ones. And that drips into our attitude towards God. And our prayer declares our incapacity and to some extent our incompetence. So our attitude to God, I want to talk about that and how we pray. Because the more we pray, the more incompetent we sound. I can't do this. So that's, a, that's a, an admission of weakness sometimes. To, you think, well, you're, you're, you're putting it, what about you? And you're putting everything before God. So to some extent, it reveals our incompetence. And you may say, hang on a second, you're saying that the person who prays is praying is incompetent? A bit harsh? Well, I'll put it in big letters then. Let me try make a real point then. The bigger your prayers, the more incompetent you are. 
If you are praying life-changing, faith-loading prayers, you are declaring yourself incompetent. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed my preach. I will not leave you there. But I stand by what's on the screen. I thought a lot about that, and I prayed a lot about this preach. So we calm down, we have a biscuit, have a cup of tea, and let's just ponder for a minute. The definition of incompetent. I looked it up. It defined as not having or showing the necessary skills to do something successfully. So incompetence is not having or showing the necessary skills to do something successfully. Let's just reflect on that again for a moment there. And on what I proposed. I propose this. The bolder and the more faith-filled the prayer, the greater the incompetence. Because I can't do this without you. This requires you. The bolder, the bigger, perhaps not the more grand, but certainly the more challenging the prayer, the more incompetent we become because we're saying, I, don't, I can't do this. And that can be everything from coping with daily life to big changes and big challenges. I can't do this without you. If I do it without you, I don't know how it's going to go. Eight o'clock tonight, Beach and Grove, we're going to be asking you to come and pray with the other churches of Watford and we'll be praying about this town being showered in light and that many are going to be set free and that they come to know Jesus and they're given new life in him and people in our town of Watford are filled with joy everlasting. The streets of Watford become different because the name of Jesus is being spoken in homes and coffee shops more than it is today. That prayer... I, we, do not have the necessary skills for. I'm not eloquent enough, I'm not bold enough, I'm not powerful enough, but Christ in me is. And if God deems it to be what he wants, him in me will make it happen. And the spirit in me will do it. If I pray big, God-aligned, faith-demanding prayers that call on the power of the spirit, the authority of Jesus, then I know that while I have skills, and I'm not saying I don't, they're not enough to do what I'm praying for. I need something else. I need God to help me because this, I believe, is his will for my town. I do believe there is something being spoken over Watford for like 15 years and it still hasn't happened. It got named and picked out. I believe God has a plan for this town. I'm still praying that to happen in his will. But I can't do it. So saying things like, God, let me say, I've done this one. God, let me just be a little bit bolder and say church maybe in a conversation this week and see how it goes with a hairdresser or someone at work. For that, I am competent. I can do that. I'm competent at that. Jesus would say, I've kind of given you the power of speech, Andy, and you know, so you can do that. But how about Father, ruler of heaven and earth, and all that I see? Your will has been explained by Jesus. It said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, England is a nation, and I'm here, willing and available. And I ask that you equip me to proclaim the gospel boldly, breaking me out of my shyness, giving me the words that are not my own, that I might help lead as many of my work colleagues as I can to Jesus. That's the prayer of an incompetent person, knowing that what I've got right now will not do it. Father, that you might use me to heal the sick, incompetent make competent. Father, whatever you want to set up, you might send us to the nations and the unreached, proclaiming the good news to people who have no idea who you are and what your son Jesus did. Incompetent, may competent. Attitude to prayer brings us to a place of the spirit. We require so much more than human effort. We cannot heal people. The spirit through us can. 
God's will is to heal. Overcoming things, pressing on, the ability to evangelize. Stuff that's beyond human capability that means that God's will, we need him to work through us to do it. To power us up. So my point one of the second half is this. Praying prayers that by definition require a move of God and power of the Spirit are prayers that keep us away from self-orientation and pride. And they demand we put our faith in God for them to be fulfilled. Now, I may sound like I'm about to contradict myself here, but hopefully you'll get what I mean. It came up this morning when we were actually praying before the meeting. A few people prayed, some have prayed a prayer very much like this. Pray the every day, every day. So it's my final point. I'm going to wrap it up in a piece of scripture at the very end. And hopefully we're going to find some time to pray. I hope that you'll go home today. And you won't be able to fix everything immediately, maybe. But you might think about how you're setting yourself up to pray, what you've done with your prayer life. It's a challenge. You'll look at Jesus Christ. You're trying to copy him. Because it should be easy to pray every day. It's easy to pray in a crisis. In reality, though, we often shut God out of the everyday stuff. So that's the issue we probably should look at. And against that, I have a proposition I want to make. One more thing to think about. If you're not praying much, then chances are you're praying, or you're not praying, but if you're not praying much, you're not praying because you don't think God needs to do this stuff. It's some area of life where you don't feel that God's really needed because you can, you've got it covered. And that draws a lot of what I said before about self-reliance. I can do this stuff without God's help. I can manage my own affairs. I don't need to bother you, God, about these things. And that's an interesting because I've just told you, pray the bold prayers. What a, well, why am I praying about stuff that I've got, you know, everyday stuff? And I really wrestled with it to try and put it simply. And over coffee later, you can ask me for more clarification, but I felt this is a tension in me. How can I pray about just the everyday stuff, God, if I should be praying these big prayers about Watford and nations and stuff? Well, what about just my day-to-day life? I need a new car, so I just start looking at finance options. It's a bit of a stretch. But if I cut here and I rethink there, I can get the car I want. So who needs to pray? Why waste God's time? He's got bigger fish to fry than that. But I do need a new car. And it's a big part of my finances that will have knock-on effects in my life. Actually, it'll affect my ability to give and to bless, which is in the Bible. Actually, a car, a house, a job, a new location, a holiday, even changing churches. These are all things where God should be involved because the daily stuff of life is important to life because it's a whole mixture of stuff wrapped together. Everything's playing itself together, and that's what shapes your life. So nothing is divorced from your walk. And if God's involved, and you're thinking about different things you require, and things to not bring God into these things is not right. We're seeking God, and we're waiting to make some apparently logical decisions But if we carry on with the decisions, we're just making them ourselves. We could land ourselves in hot water. Thankfully, God's in the habit of pulling us back. We just make a decision without involving him, and it ends up backfiring on us. We end up in financial difficulty. We end up in the wrong place. We end up in the wrong relationship. We end up in the wrong job. Because we just pushed ahead because we thought it was the right thing to do. Didn't really pray much to God about it. Didn't ask. Didn't wait. Andy Smith, in particular, let me confess to you, does not wait for anyone, including God. I ask him, and then I just move. 
Life is full of forces and they all impact on the decisions we make and they dictate what we do the short life we have. So my final point is this. Pray to God. We need to, I need, we need to pray to God about the everyday things that we have on our plate. But we align them with God's will. Praying like a listener. Patient listener. God knows your situation. And just so grabbing onto things in our own strength lead us, leads us down paths we shouldn't go. Yeah, maybe some of you are thinking, ah, interesting, but not sure, really. I don't know if all of this works. Some of it does, but I hope some of it challenges us to think about our prayer life. I'm going to turn to Scripture one last time, but I want to just lay these four points that I made down to you. Maybe all of them apply. They all apply to me. Maybe some of them apply to you, but at least some of you can take away. Jesus Christ, with all power, everything, still needed to pray. He was praying because he wanted to align himself to God's will and know what the Father wanted to happen. We need to pray the prayer of the incompetent. Prayers that may, I need you to help me in this, but don't start there. Recognize he is sovereign over everything, controls all things. It's the God who has a will to see whatever, and then we pray across that. And we need to pray every day for the everyday. So I thought I'd end up by perhaps positioning us in a very familiar scripture. And so many people have done really good preachers on this. I don't even want to try. It's one of those ones where you're thinking, don't go there. Don't break down the Lord's Prayer, Andy, because you're going into the territory of some of the greats. But maybe I should be a little bit bolder than that. So I'm going to reflect on it. Then I'm going to lead us in a very brief prayer. Then I'm going to give you the option to just stay here. It's going to be a bit quiet for a while. You could stay here and have a bit of time of prayer of your own. So there's no need for a prayer team particularly today unless you have a particular prayer need. We do have people around. But just stay here and coffee is up there. There's a bit of silence in here. We'll, we'll delay the pack down. Joel won't mind. He's on pack down. He doesn't mind a 15-minute wait before he comes in and does it. Just to give you some space because I know what it's like. Not, not, none of this is in my notes. So let's just take a second out to be honest. I know what it's like. You're going to go home and you're going to have some stuff on this afternoon and there'll be a list of things to do. And then Monday comes. And off the machine goes again. And whether you're full on, your job is just crazy busy, or you're raising children, looking after a household, planning changes in life, it'll crush in and suddenly this will all be gone. Well, coffee can wait, can't it? Just a bit of time to pray here while it's quiet. Our church is quite a noisy church. We've had the weirdest of mornings talking about silence. But why not stick around for a minute and maybe pray using this amazing piece of scripture as a framework. I'm going to use the the traditional version, the one I learned as a kid, because I think it's still really good. The King's James Version of the Lord's Prayer. I looked at the message version, it was okay, but it just didn't have the the depth of the King, King James Version, which means there's going to be a few yays thrown in here for fun. Terry Virgo said this, because Jesus is telling, they ask Jesus, how do, how do we pray then? And he says, well, here you go. So Jesus is like your older brother telling you, you want to relate to dad? You want to relate to the father? Let me tell you how it works. Like an older brother, this is what you need to do. And Jesus lays out a framework. Please, I mean, do not think this is how, the only way to pray, just use these words and you're done. It's a, he's giving guidance. He's not saying repeat this, you know, because people can write it down, you know. So he's not saying that. He's just saying this is the framework. So like, listen to your older brother. 
talk to us about how to pray. And it came to pass that as he was praying, again he was praying, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who, that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's just, just, just see what our big brother just told us how to do. He starts with this, recognize God. Recognize who he is. Don't just say, Father, go. Father, who is. Just some aspect of the God we're praying to. Who he is. Call upon his kingdom and his will. Your will in this part of my life. Your will in this town. Your will in this nation. Your will in this, this thing that I'm struggling with. But your will first. Before you go into what you require. Your will be done. It's your kingdom. Recognize daily bread. He provides the fundamentals of life. So he's, he's interested in the absolute detail of food. Right up to big career changing decisions. Ask for forgiveness of sin and the power to forgive. That is a request. Let me not come into this being hypocritical, asking you for things while I don't do what you tell me to do. You show me forgiveness and I'm holding unforgiveness. You show me not to sin and here I am sinning. So halfway through the prayer, just recognize, Father, will you forgive me for my errors that might cause our relationship to be damaged? And then pray for protection and deliverance. Deliver us from evil. So in this situation, I'm about to put towards you, Father, protect me within it. Please keep me safe. And then, go. It doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't go, stop. He says, there you go. And then he expects you to keep praying. That's not just like 15 seconds, Lord's Prayer, done. Then we keep praying. I think it's the beginning of prayer. It's not a complete one he shows us. It's a framework. So maybe I can just sneak in one sneaky little fifth half point. Because I think this is helpful. Because I was taught to pray. I wasn't taught. I was shown how to pray. And I, I, I took on a behavior that I don't think helped me in my prayer life. And maybe it's something that you might recognize too. And I've recently just really tried to address it. If I was to pray, starting with the middle of the Lord's Prayer, something like this. Father, forgive me my sins, conscious and unconscious, in word and in deed. That's what, how I was taught to pray. Someone taught me to say, start, pray like this, Andy. Pray like this. This is what you do. Father, forgive my sins, conscious or unconscious, be them in thought, word or deed. Father, forgive my. Three words, and it's all about me. Three words, Father, my. That's it. Then it's straight, even the, even the forgive me my sin stuff is straight to me. God's challenged me. Who are you praying to, Andy? Do you even know who I am? Do you recognize that I cast the stars into space? I formed the earth before you. The thing you're standing on, the fact you stay stuck on it is because of my hand. We read recently in our group about Job. He's literally saying to Job, who are you? Where were you when I created the universe? So to go, hey, Father, let's talk about me. He is definitely interested in you. He wants to know where you are. You can call him Dad, Father, whatever you want to call him because you want to be close. But let's just remember, who is it that I'm praying to first of all? 
And whatever's going on in this life, I trust that your will is the perfect will for my life and my situation. And then I'll get to me in a bit. We need to know who we're praying to. Listen well. Pray the prayer of the incompetent, knowing we need him to move in our lives for this town, the nations, and the details. Terry Virgo said in some quote that Aaron posted recently, something like this, feeling distant from God and dry, bad time to make big decisions. I think that's such a powerful thing for a man to say, a human to say, Terry Virgo's a great guy, but that resonated with me. When I'm at my most driest, when I'm at my most distant, when I'm struggling my most, I don't think this is a good time to make some fundamental decision. But when I feel like I'm praying and I'm getting, and I'm waiting and I'm just listening and I'm looking at the word and I'm just trying to build, then, maybe then, I can feel like, yes. And I need, we need to cultivate that relationship through some new routines and new habits. So for tonight, for one hour, please come. Maybe stay behind now, if you can. If you've got to get your kids, then please don't feel condemned. You've got to, I've got to go out here. But please... All I want to do is lay out some challenges for you that I think are important to us. Yeah. Here's a quote from a guy called Philip Hughes that got shown in a recent talk I went to on prayer. He just said this, and maybe this wraps up everything I've tried to say. Prayer is stressed over and over again in the New Testament as a vital prerequisite, like before you do anything else, for the release and the experience of God's power. Father God, you are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the one who set the stars into space, yet your hand that did that reaches down to your children. So we come to you now, Father God, humbly looking for your will. Understand what it is that you want us to do, corporately and individually, Father Would you show us how the little decisions that we make have a big implication? And the big decisions we make, yes, they have big implications. But will we be those that pray for our town and our nations in ways that reflect your heart, which is that none should perish? At the same time as praying, Father God, would you help us with the daily challenges of life? We come to you humbly, but full of faith, full of power. I pray that whatever I prepared, Father God, that whether all of it or just a piece of it lands, but that when we pray, we are people who will pray listening. And I pray against what I know the enemy will do. You're not doing it right. You prayed and nothing happened. So bad technique. Jesus Christ himself withdrew, prayed many times. Elijah, when we look in the Old Testament, prays, looks, Nothing happened. Praise, looks, still nothing. Persistently praying, believing faithfully that what you set out and what you've laid out for our lives and our nations will come to pass. But you want us, I believe you want us to pray, Father, so that we speak to you knowing what it is that you require of us, understanding better your will, not to be perfect, tested by God, but actually just in relationship with you. Father, I pray for us. I pray for me. I pray that when I come to my time of prayer, whether it be now, this afternoon, tomorrow, I carve something out. I challenge what I'm doing and I say, let me withdraw somewhere in this office block, somewhere in this space, somewhere in my lunch break to cultivate a relationship with you. And I pray for the impatience of our generation, me included, that says, if it doesn't work within three days, I'm done with it. 
I thank you for the testimony I heard at the academy last week. 20 years from someone praying for someone to someone coming to salvation. I believe that things that are right in our hearts, we'll pray for them for more than 20 minutes for three days and give it, give it a flick. We thank you, Father God, that you are a loving Father. You are a dad. You bring that arm down across the back of our heads and you pull us into you. I pray that we feel that and we sense that in our prayer lives in the days and weeks and months to come, the years ahead of us, Father God. Like the song, The Heart of Worship, I'm sorry, Father, for the thing I've made it. Short, petition-driven, about me very quickly. I pray you've taught us something today. and Thank you for Jesus, like a big brother, telling us how to pray. I pray we model that in Jesus' name. Amen.